the ChrisCast is recorded live in front of no audience. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the ChrisCast. Joining me once again through the Anchor app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Say hello, Paul. I got lots of food news this week, so we're going to dive right in. How about that? Ooh, I love food. Well, first two, first two are cereal. Because, you know, we got to start today with breakfast, so we might as well start the news with breakfast. But this one is from SoCalThrills.com. Post Cereal collaborates with Disney with LE offerings, which LE is limited edition. You know, Disney is Disney and Warner Brothers are both this year celebrating 100 years in business. So Post is doing some new cereals. To commemorate the hundred years of Disney, and there's some really nice retro-looking boxes here. There's confetti cake cereal is one of them. Um, I'm trying to see what this other. One. It's not really saying in the picture. It might be just a a tin version of the confetti cake cereal and then there's Disney 100 years of war of of wonder naturally an artificially flavored fruity flavored sweetened cereal and then there's Disney's 100 years of wonder Mickey Mouse Club natural flavored confetti cake cereal it looks like those are the only two they've got but show Paul the images here real quick. Ooh, I like the one on the left. That's cute. Yeah, those two are the kind of regular, but then there's the the retro version. Uh, I like that and, one too. And see the big Mickey Mouse one? That's the one I'm talking about. I can't, it doesn't say what it is. It just says it looks Mickey like Mouse it might one. be just a tin that they come in. Yes, so, and that's what it looks like. I bet, I bet it'll be snatched off the shelves in a heartbeat. It's, it's definitely a tin because when I blow up the picture, you can see that it's got a lid on it. But it will be available exclusively at Walmart.com. The metal tin, which retails for forty dollars. Represents a time capsule that inspires fans to remember and appreciate the start of Disney. Oh, so if you want nothing. the if you want the tin can, you're going to be spending forty bucks for it. That's nothing. On the rise at Disney, we're talking about one of those collectible pins, like you just like stick pin thingies in the back, like a hat pin. Those range anywhere between fourteen dollars to twenty two dollars just for a stick pin. Yeah, and that's the thing I don't get is those buttons are all of a sudden the rage again. Like, they were a huge thing in the 80s when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. They've got, throughout Disney, they got trader boards out there. So, there's a Disney associate out there with this giant cork board, and they got all these buttons and pins from everywhere for this Disney-related stuff. And if you have a pin, you can go walk up and you can trade a pin on the board with another pin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. And also, while we're talking about cereal, I saw a cereal I didn't know that was out there. 
I saw it at Walmart. Um, actually, I did go into a Walmart this past week. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I saw it. It was the Rice Krispies. It was the the Rice Krispies cereal. And it's a Valentine's. And it's, it, was, it was pink, red, and regular Rice Krispies in it. I think they've done those before. Oh, have they? I've never seen I've never seen them. It looked really cute. And I thought, how cute would that be, making Rice Krispies treats out of it? Were, did they have flavors, or were they just the regular? I just looked at the box. I really didn't pay attention to the flavors. I just saw the colors. I'm guessing it's probably just the dyes in them and not actually flavored. But flavored would be kind of interesting. But it was for Valentine's, and I thought, that is really interesting. I uh, started to grab up a box and make some Valentine's uh, Rice Krispie treats out of them and take them to work for Valentine's Day coming up. Now the other cereal I have, this one is from brandeating.com. Pebbles Crunched Cereal arrives in stores. Post introduces new Pebbles Crunched Cereal as a, quote, crunchier, more snackable variety of regular Pebbles cereal. Now, what I like about this is it's not the little bitty. It's actually star-shaped. So they're sizable. So they're bigger. Oh, okay. Yes. I might have to try that. Yeah, it's... it. If it has the same flavor as Fruity Pebbles, I like it'll it. be good. So... But they, I guess they went with stars because they can make it rock star. Do you know who else had the stars? That same exact shape? Who? The Hocus Pocus cereal was shaped like that. Maybe. was Did Hocus Pocus get made post? It was post. Well, that might be why. Yep, they took those those uh, and made that so yeah the the hocus pocus cereal stars but i, I always liked fruity pebbles i just didn't like that they were so small and by the time you got to the end of them you're fighting to try and get them on your spoon or else you're swallowing the pieces down when you drink the milk and um, plus it gets soggy so quick yeah you gotta shovel it in like it's going out of style while you're eating it <laughs> put it in the spoon Put a little drop of milk in it. Put it in the spoon. Put a little drop of milk in it. But but that moves us on to drinks. Well, drink inspired. Did you want to discuss the one or didn't or not? No, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, there's a new drink coming out that's being developed by Coca-Cola. It's from Dr. Pepper. I got a reliable source that sent me pictures of it. The development team has made it. It's coming out in about another um, another month and a half. It's hitting your stores. It's called Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And they're also going to have a Strawberries and Cream uh, um, uh, zero, zero version. So um, keep on the lookout for those, for those, those fans of the Strawberry and Cream uh, varieties. It's going to be a Dr. Pepper crossed over with Strawberries and Cream. I'm looking forward to it. Because their Dr. Pepper cream soda is actually really delicious. And I love the Dr. Pepper cream soda zero uh, drinks. Those are really, really good. So if it's anything like the regular cream soda Dr. Peppers, 
with them adding strawberries and cream. I'm all about it. So yes, I'm looking forward to this. Well, 16 weeks ago on Instagram, Candy Hunting account posted new strawberry cream Dr. Pepper is in the works. This should hit shelves next year, but it doesn't have anything of a date. Now, there are, um, like, Instacart has Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream soda on Google. And buy now at Instacart. Browse 20 stores in your area. Well, it's apparently it is currently available at Publix and Food Lion. That's weird because my friend told me they're not shipping it yet. Uh, it's 12 fluid ounce. And it says. But maybe it's similar items at other stores is what it that's what it is. Publix and Food Line are below it, but it's similar. It's not actually let's hit the buy now at Instacart and see what it says. If it ever will say. It's taking its good sweet time here. Well, I think we'll check back in on this because it's, oh, wait, 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 here, something's coming up. Let's see. Shop Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream for your, for delivery or pickup. CVS has Dr. Pepper cream soda, but not strawberries and cream. So, yeah, it's the cream soda is what they've got. But not yeah, the strawberries and cream. Yeah, the cream soda's out, but the strawberries and cream shouldn't be out yet. So, so I'm not seeing a date for it yet, but it is. You can find it, you just can't buy it. But the other drink beverage related thing that I've got, this one's from the kitchen, kitchn.com. Mountain Dew is dropping a Baja Blast flavored hot sauce, but there's only one way to get it. Gross. Well, I don't know about Baja Blast. I've never tried it, so I don't really know. It says, to celebrate National Hot Sauce Day, January 22nd, the tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast collides with the heat of habanero peppers, green chilies, and spicy jalapeno peppers to transport your taste buds on a unique flavor-filled journey. By now, you're probably ready to get your hands on a bottle, but doing so won't be as simple as stopping by your local grocery store. In order to secure one of the 750 bottles available, you can enter for a chance to win on their website until February 8th. At Mountain Dew's website? Um, MountainDew.com. The first ever Mountain Dew Baja Blast hot sauce. So it's a hot sauce and not a drink. Right. Yuck. I don't like hot sauce. I don't I got, like spicy as we've discussed before. So I got a yeah, friend I'm, of mine who he, he takes his own bottle of hot sauce every restaurant he goes to. 
and he literally puts it on every food he eats. I don't care if it's breakfast potatoes. I don't care if it's eggs. I don't care if it's tacos or a grilled chicken sandwich. He is putting that bottle of hot sauce on it. And it seems like I saw about the, the bad effects of hot sauce over the long term on the body. But I can't remember. It might be something to do with the stomach, but it's actually really good for your blood because it cleans out the uh, the bad fats that's in your blood. No, I just have to keep the bad fats in my blood because I ain't going to be eating hot sauce. Me either. But I mean, I like works. a little bit of spice, a little bit of kick, but not like that. Yeah, I, I don't like any spicy at all. Like, What about like regular pepper on your eggs or something? I don't put pepper on anything. If Just I don't regular eat, pepper? If I don't have the, the recipe call for it, I don't use it. I don't put salt on anything. Hmm. It's only when the recipe actually calls for it that I use it. Okay. So, but Never, you've been to Savannah, haven't you? Georgia, no. Oh, I thought you might have been to Savannah, Georgia. When you go to eat at Paula Dean's Kitchen down there, Lady and Sons, there is no salt and pepper shakers on the tables because that whenever you get your food brought out to you. And a lot of people immediately go, I need salt and pepper. They're like, it's, everything's pre-seasoned. Everything is cooked exactly the way Paula Dean wants it. And they said, taste it first. And if you want salt or pepper, we'll bring it out to you. 95% of the time, people don't ask for salt and pepper because it's so perfectly seasoned. So, um, yeah, that's one restaurant that won't give you salt and pepper. Like I said, I don't need it. I just, I think it's pointless to add to it. Yeah, like I I like some salt on my fries, but when I cook them at home, I don't put any on them. Uh, do you ever use the pink salt or just like regular kosher salt? Just the uh, the regular old Morton's in the little round can. That's what I use, but um, I've got some of the pink salt too that I use, and it totally tastes different. And you got to use it less. It's you got to use it more sparingly than regular salt. I also saw that sea salt's not any better for you than regular salt. So, you ever but, seen how sea salt's made? They actually just dredge up the ocean, and it's dried in vats of water, and, and it's dried in the sun, and then the, what's left is the the salt from the water, and that's how they get it. Uh, I'll just, I'll pass because how much of that salt is loaded with animal excrement? <laughs> I'm sure some kind of pasteurization process done to it. Well, you know, you, you get a, a gulp of water in your mouth from the ocean, you taste all the salt, but it's not like it's going to kill you. Animal it's just, excrement. How much you're, is in there? You're so stupid. I'll it's a legitimate a, question. I'll just add a shark turd. <laughs> you might have. You just <sighs> don't know. <sighs> but anyways, moving on. It's time to go to dinner. So I got an article here from twoboom.com. Arby's introduces new steakhouse garlic ribeye sandwich. Ooh, that sounds good. 
So you might want to try it. I, you know, I won't be trying it, but it says season with traditional steakhouse flavors of salt, black pepper, garlic, and thyme. The new steakhouse garlic ribeye sandwich features thinly sliced 100% ribeye, natural Swiss cheese, crispy onions, and creamy garlic aioli on a toasted bun. You had me until you said garlic aioli. I don't like aioli. Ugh. Now, the nutritional information is at 630 calories, 340 from fat, 38 grams of fat, 41 grams of carbohydrates, 6 grams of sugar, 29 grams of protein, and 1,070 milligrams of sodium. That's where the get you is the sodium. You can find the Steakhouse Garlic Ribeye Sandwich at participating Arby's locations nationwide for a limited time. I might have to cruise by. I've been, I don't have anything to eat for lunch. I've been eating a... Yeah, shut up and get ready to tell you what I've been eating for lunch. I've been eating a banana and a Slim Fast shake for lunch because I'm trying to lose some weight. So that's what I've been eating for lunch every day at work. I might have to splurge and get that. I'm not a big fan of the bananas. So. Mine's got to be ripe. I mean, it's got to be in the borderline of turning black ripe. I love ripe bananas. Like I learned my lesson. The last time I went and picked up bananas, I uh, did the pick up at Walmart for my groceries. And I asked for um, how many bananas you want. I said, I want five bananas. And they were so green. They were greener than that wall behind you. That nobody so, in podcast land can see. I was so mad. I should have, and it said special notes. I should have put on special notes, make sure these are right. But, oh well. I know now. Yeah. I don't even use the pickup. I go into the store. I wear my mask when I go in. I've been vaccinated, but I still wear my mask. And I go pick out what I need and leave. Maybe I need to just start wearing my mask and going in then. Next up is from today.com. Crispy chicken wings are back at Taco Bell, but only for a limited time. And they're acting like this is something great that's come back, and I don't remember ever hearing about these. I've never heard about it either, but I still don't know because that one right there at my work still ain't open. Mm -hmm. It's been closed forever for remodeling. Yeah, and it says the at participating locations nationwide starting January 6th through February 9th, and then the Super Bowl is on February 12th. So, is it bone-in or is it boneless? I'm guessing it's boneless because they're just little bite-sized, oh, well, not bite-sized, but like, yeah, they look boneless. kind of. Yeah, they look like they're boneless. So, the article points out that it ends three days before Super Bowl, and that makes no sense. But, like I said, apparently they were a big rage for somebody at one point in time. I don't remember ever hearing about them before, and they're only, what, two weeks, January 26th through February 9th. So, but, do you have any other dinner type items or shall we move on to dessert now? 
Desert. Okay, well, first up is the Valentine's Offerings from Hostess. This is from brandeating.com. Hostess reveals 2023 Valentine's Day products. Hostess Valentine Ding Dongs features heart-shaped chocolate cake with creamy filling covered in a chocolate coating and topped with festive red sprinkles. Each individual wrapper includes a section to include a personalized message for Valentine's Day. Hostess Strawberry Cheesecake Baby Bunks. Now those are intriguing. Offers many strawberry bunt cakes topped with a cheesecake flavored drizzle. The Valentine's Day themed version comes in a festive box and each mini bunt cake comes in a wrapper that includes dedicated space to include a personalized message for Valentine's gifting. And finally, Hostess Frosted Strawberry Donuts. Consists mm. of strawberry flavored mini donuts with a chocolatey coating. The one thing I will warn vegetarians out there, because Hostess has a history of it, is check the ingredients. A lot of Hostess stuff uses animal fat in the products. That's only if you're vegan. Or vegetarian and don't want to eat an animal at all. Yeah, but vegetarian, you're you're just kind of pushing it there. No, I'm vegetarian and I will not eat it because it's got animal fat in it. The animal had to die to give it up. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. No, it didn't. You're just going to cut some fat off the animal and let it bleed out? They will put it on a treadmill and make it sweat. That's not how that works. Anyways. You let me live in my fantasy world. You're not even vegetarian. I don't know why you're fantasizing about it. Yeah, I'll eat anything, so I don't care. Except I won't eat any uh, hot peppers on it. The the Valentine Ding Dongs and the Strawberry Cheesecake Baby Blunts, I would like to try. But like I said, if they have any of the, the animal fat in them, because Hostess Twinkies had animal fat. And I would never eat those, but now Little Debbie's Golden Creams are the same kind of thing as the Hostess Twinkies. No animal fat. Hmm. Just a, a little tidbit out there for everybody. Well, not that I care or anything, but I will look. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, that's the way they are. And the other thing I have... It's not so much dessert exactly, but the frankfordcandy.com has Valentine options. They have two heart-shaped Lunchables boxes. They've got Lunchables Pizza Kit Gummy Candy Heart Box and Lunchables Cracker Stacker Gummy Candy Heart Box. Oreo Dunk Set for Two. Dunkin' Donut Flavored Chocolates Heart Box. Encanto gummy candy heart box with charm bracelet and then a three pack for $12 of just regular packaged jelly beans Duncan jelly bean hearts and those are available at frankfordcandy.com currently I won't be trying any of that 
The Oreo dunk set for two is low stock, and it's $22. That is ridiculous. It's two mugs, and I don't know if I can blow it up. Yeah, here it is. It includes two 10-ounce mugs, 12 cookies, two tongs, and one cookie cage. That's not too bad, I guess, for $22. It's not a lot for $22, though. That's actually cute. I give them that. It's got good packaging. But I guess the the little spatulas are to dump the cookie into your drink. Because Oreo is milk's favorite cookie, you know. Yes. I had to think about that. You've not heard that? I was thinking, I kind of like chocolate chip cookies in my milk. Oreo, it's milk's favorite cookie. Mm. Have you ever really dunked them in a, a milk? No, I, I will eat Dunkin' while drinking milk, but I don't dunk anything into my milk, really. Mm. I, I did do that a couple times with my Oreos. It, it It's okay. I mean, yeah. Um, but I prefer chocolate chip cookie in my in my milk, and I don't like whole fat milk. It's disgusting. It's too 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 thick. I drink the two percent milk or one percent milk if I can get my hands on it. Yeah, that's all the food stuff I've got. So, okay, and I'm sure there's a lot more Valentine's candies coming out and such. Like you know, Reese's always has the Reese's Hearts. Mmm, that's the best. And uh, I'm sure Nestle and Hershey will both be filling plenty of candies up. And then you got your Russell Stover's boxes and all that. So, but anyways, those were the big ones that I saw this week. Cool. And before we go on, because I'm, I, I really, I just want to once again reiterate that with if Biden is guilty of mishandling these documents, he needs to be punished. They have found more. I saw that. But they're still nowhere near the level and the number that Trump has had in his possession. And Biden has cooperated with with the people trying to get these documents. And Trump fought to the point they had to get a court order to go into Mar-a-Lago to look for them. And plus, so, none of the documents that Biden has has been marked top secret. No, the like Trump's stuff. One thing, some is some of them are from his days as a senator. But by the same token, how many other politicians have classified documents still in their possession? Exactly, I brought that up in conversation today with one of my friends. Uh, They're talking about this. I said, "Why don't they go look at everybody else? Go look at." Um, Go look at all the senators. Go look at all the House members. Even go to pre- go to Bill Clinton and go to Hillary Clinton's office. I'm sure they'll uncover something. I'm sure they but, will. But I, I want it known that if Biden is guilty and there's punishment to be had, that he ends up facing the punishment. But I also don't believe Biden is anywhere near as bad as Trump on this. For the simple fact, Bidens are marked classified, 
Trump's remark, top secret and top secret SCI. Biden's are in locked places. Trump's were out on the desk in his Mar-a-Lago office, not locked up. So huge differences. Yeah, huge. So, okay, let's go on. And it's like I told Paul before we started, I'm not going to go into the shootings because there's, what, four or five of them this past weekend? Too many, and I'm just waiting for the government to take all the guns now. Well, no, now you sound like the Republicans. They're coming from the I'm all for it. If this is what's going to have to happen to get all these people stopped from getting shot and killed every fucking day, I'm all for it. Just take them. Uh, You know that's not going to happen. And nobody really wants that to happen. There's no reason for anyone to own 50 guns in a house. No, but they think there are. And it's, it's like I've always said that for decades I've heard that the Democrats are coming to take our guns and I have yet to see one Democrat show up at anybody's door trying to take a gun so we'll have to take it from my cold dead hands but moving on into the world of entertainment an article from Variety yesterday if it's true backs up the things I've said about Tim Allen. And if it's true, it will really hurt Tim Allen with his Santa Claus stuff. It might end up being removed from Disney because Disney ain't going to be having it. But the headline reads, Pamela Anderson alleges Tim Allen flashed his penis when she was 23. Well, first off, she's an adult. Second off, there's no proof of it. It's just allegations. But uh, flip side, if he did, it's an unwelcome gesture regardless. But it's here's her what she says, what he says. It's not going to go anywhere. No, but knowing the kind of guy he is, I would not be surprised. Well, I mean, you and I both know he's a raving Republican and Trump supporter. That yep. has nothing to do with his penis. No, I mean, but... He has no track record. Well, he has no record. You know, that's that's the thing we've, I've, just, I've mentioned before. Sometimes it just takes one for everybody else to come out. Well, we'll just have to wait and see over the next several it's, months to see if anything else happens. It's possible that it's not true. It's possible it is true. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. It's not the worst thing that could have happened. But it's still an unwelcome gesture, and it's still not appropriate if it did happen. So, Yeah. But like I said, right now it's hearsay, and, you know, she said and he said, so there's really not much to talk about there. For anyone who wants to read on about it, her book, Love, Pamela, is due to be released January 31st. And that's one of the things she discusses in it. Personally, I was never a Pamela Anderson fan. I thought she looked too phony to be pretty and didn't, never did get the thrill over her. Her acting is not... I mean, let's, let's be honest. She was not a popular actress 
for her acting ability. She was known for her big boobs and her blonde hair. I was going to say her two huge assets. So, but, but moving on, Netflix has released a poster for an upcoming anime series that I'm kind of intrigued about. It used to be called Agent King. Now it's called Agent Elvis. It is a fun take on Elvis as a secret agent. I think I saw something about that. Uh, a little blurb on it somewhere on the internet this weekend. I, I, I'd honestly check it out just to see what it's like. I don't know that I'll like it. I'm not a big fan of anime, but there is no release date yet. There's just a poster saying coming soon to Netflix. So we'll keep an eye on that and see how it goes. Because like I said, it, it sounds interesting. And, you know, one of the, the theories about him faking his death was that he was a secret agent. And that's why he faked his death. I heard that too. Um, while we're talking about this is I sold furniture to a man and woman this weekend. She is an ex, she's an ex um, special agent for the military. And he drives for the stars, um, like for tours. He's getting ready to do Beyonce's tour, but he's driven for um, REO Speedwagon. Anyways, tons of stars. Um, um, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Garth Brooks, tons of stars like that. He's been driving for 30 years. And he said, you'll never believe who he said the nicest star was that he drove for who Paul McCartney I can see it he it's, said that that man is worth his weight in gold it's he he's kind of humble every time you see him and he has lived the vegetarian lifestyle for decades now so you remember his his wife Linda used to publish cookbooks. Yeah, unfortunately, he said that Paul McCartney would come up out of the tour bus and come up there and sit with him and would talk with him for hours while he drove. And at the end of the tour, he gave him his tour guitar and autographed it to him, and it's hanging up in his living room. How cool is that? Yeah, and. And that's something that many celebrities should consider is without those little guys, they don't get what they get. So Yeah. So anyway, we we it kinda reminded reminded me about, you know, when you're talking about stars and stuff like that. And um he said the next he said Taylor he's driven for Taylor Swift twice and and he said that um, both times she gave him his tour, her tour guitars, and signed over those guitars to him with the with the autographs to him. He's got all these guitars from all these different stars lying across his whole living room, from driving for them for tours. Guess how much those? Just I, I, I couldn't even imagine how much those uh, guitars are worth that he owns. All them stars uh, signed. So. No clue. I asked him, I said, who's going to be uh, doing Madonna, Madonna's tour? And he said he don't know yet. But he said, I know it's going to be big. So, 
she put a thank you out on Instagram uh, yesterday. Did you? Uh, I guess you didn't see that, but she did a video uh, thanking her fans for all the support for this tour, and she said she's going to make sure that this is going to be the best tour yet. So, oh, we got to get our hands on some tickets, Chris. It's it's going to be hard to top Blind Ambition, though. Yeah, the Blind Ambition tour was like the best tour ever that I saw that she ever put on. But this one, 40 years celebration, I think it'll be cool as hell to see that one. Yeah. Well, the, the Blind Ambition tour, quite honestly, is one of the best concerts I've ever seen, let alone Madonna, just anybody. Yeah. It was a phenomenal. But since we're on the, the topic of musicians, I got a little bit of news about a movie that you might already have heard, but you'll definitely be intrigued by. It's from Deadline.com. Emancipation's Antoine Fuqua to direct Michael Jackson biopic for Lionsgate, John Logan's script, and Bohemian Rhapsody's Graham King producing with the estate. I've been knowing about this biopic be supposed to be filmed for the longest time, and it's just like the project keeps getting dropped. Well, this time it looks like it's got some real momentum behind it. So it's got Oscar nominated Bohemian Rhapsody members working on it. It's got John Logan on a script. The film will be produced by Graham King. Does it say who's going to be playing Michael? I don't think they've gotten to casting yet. Well, if they're going to get anybody named that's going to be, I hope they get Gus Jackson. He is one of the most world's famous Michael Jackson impersonators on the face of the planet. I mean, the man looks just like him. Or get, there's a a couple other Michael Jackson impersonators. He looks, they look just like him. They've had plastic surgery to look like him, so... I hope they get one of them to play him because oh, they're, so, they're so real looking. Can they act though? That's the question. I mean, they do Michael Jackson tours. So but can they can they pull off the acting role though? That's that's, well, that's there's that's the a question. difference between performing his style on stage and actually acting in a movie. Yeah. There's another dude named Sergio Cortez who looks just like him too. He does tours in Brazil and Africa. But just a a little bit on how good this movie could be. The article reads, This has long been a passion project for Kane and Logan, who teamed on the Oscar-nominated Martin Scorsese-directed Howard Hughes film, The Aviator, in his race to innovate before his mental illness and germophobic obsessions overtook him. So... Says things are moving fast on Michael Fuqua is currently finishing the Equalizer 3 with Denzel Washington in Italy, and then he will turn his attention to this one. Production will begin later this year, and we've heard that Fuqua will draft his Emancipation and Equalizer 3 cinematographer Robert Richardson to be by his side. So, very possible to be a very good film there. And as Paul's sending me pictures of this fake Michael Jackson, 
who does actually look like the real Michael Jackson, but he looks just like him. It's spooky. It's like he never died. <laughs> but he did. Oh, what I was know. it 10 years ago now? Well, see, I was talking to that guy. It's so weird that you talked to me about that. You said that, my, that Elvis Presley was a on was alive. That guy said, we all know that Elvis Presley's alive and works for the government and Michael Jackson faked his death. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know about all that. but Well, the one I still believe possibly faked his death was Tupac. He didn't have enough money. Yeah, but he had people after him. Yeah, he had people after him. But what I'm saying is he ain't got Michael Jackson money to disappear. Uh, his, his estate ended up making a lot of money after he died. Who's Michael? He, no. Tupac. And because trust me, I worked in music departments, like the music department of Media Play and Blockbuster Music prior to that. And it was like every year, one year Tupac would release a double disc and the next year he'd release a single disc and it would just flip back and forth for several years after he supposedly died. So it just added to the how much could he possibly have had to release if he died. Just looked up his net worth really quick. You'll never believe how much he's worth. $250 million. Not even nowhere close. What? Two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I guess moving to that private island kind of took it out of him. Yeah, it says as of two thousand twenty-two, it's um, two hundred thousand dollars. But moving on, though, mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody from CinemaDailyUS.com. Rami Malek in talks to play. Buster Keaton in Matt Reeves' produced series. It will be produced by Warner Brothers Television, but I have seen nothing detailing where it's planned to air yet. So, still in the early stages on that one. I did see that Violent Night 2 is also greenlit now. Hey, is it out on streaming yet? Yes, it's on Peacock. Okay, I'll watch that this week. Oh, I'm going to try and watch Tar this weekend because it's another one of the big nominated films. And The Whale is still not on, which I really want to see. And Fablemans, I just need the time to watch it because it's over two and a half hours. But Next up from NBC.com, I reviewed the new Night Court last week. They've announced this week the guest stars coming to the show this this time around. It says, guest stars slated to make appearances include former Saturday Night Live star Melissa Villas, comedian Pete Holmes, professional figure skaters Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski, AP Bio star Lyric Lewis, and actors Kurt Fuller and Stephanie Weir. Meanwhile, Murphy Brown star Faith Ford is set to play Judge Adam's mother. So Corky Sherwood from Murphy Kirk, Brown is going to be Judge Harry Anderson's wife, which Kirk of Sherwood, course he passed away. But Corky Sherwood Forrest, oh my God! Yep. So 
quite a few big names coming to the show. Um, like I said, I hope it gets better as it goes along. I just don't know. And next up from Prime, this is actually the last news story that I have. But I had, oh, I do have one more. I had things in the wrong order. So I've got one more after this one. It's report Prime Video to adapt sex criminals and the bitch planet. Television adaptations of Matt Fraction's Sex Criminals and Kelly Sue DeConnick's Bitch Planet are reportedly in the works at Prime Video. So not a whole lot to be known about these yet, but they are... And there are two comics that I know nothing about, but I do know the name Kelly Sue DeConnick, and she is very respected in the comics industry. So... The Six Criminals, it says, ran for only 31 issues plus a one-shot special. That just sounds odd. And Bitch Planet Triple Feature, a five-issue anthology series, followed the main series that ran for 10 issues. Each issue features three stories, each from a different creative team, with Fraction having even penned a story for issue number five in the Bitch Planet Triple Feature five-issue anthology. So, we'll see. I, like I said, I don't really know anything about those two, but when it's comic book related, you know I'm all about it. So, And then finally, speaking of comic books... This is from BleedingCool.com. Adam Hughes, Jay Lee, and Craig Surmark draw new Rocketeer comic. One thing that's interesting about this is it's multiple stories in this comic issue. And they've got Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. Paul DeMeo has since passed, but they had a, some something written, and that's going to be included in the Rocketeer comic. Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, for those who don't understand, were the screenwriters for the Rocketeer film that came out in 91, and they were very instrumental in the Flash TV series from 1990. So, very good work in those. So, if you get the chance, I definitely suggest checking that out, because, like I said, I will definitely want the Rocketeer comic. Did you have any interesting entertainment news that you wanted to pass along? Or? Um, no, not that I know of. Uh, I'm going to research this one because I don't think there's any new news on it, but Julian Sands went for a hike and has disappeared. I don't know if you are familiar with Julian Sands, but he was in Warlock. He was in Boxing Helena, Arachnophobia, A Room with a View, Leaving Las Vegas. He's done voice work for animation, including playing Ares, I believe it was, on Justice League. But he he supposedly knows the mountain very, very well. 
but it's been 10 days now. They have found his car. Hopefully he was able to find somewhere to shelter and take care of himself, but it's not looking good. He is currently 65 years old. Yeah. And just other little things that he had been in. One thing that comes to mind quickly is he was in a two-part episode of the TV series Gotham. Because Paul is an idiot and cut us off in the middle of the recording, now I'm in the middle of what I was saying and I don't know where I was. So, thanks to Paul, we're having this glitch in this episode, which proves it is filmed live in front of no audience. So there you go. But anyways, what I was saying... I readjusted my phone and me sitting here and I accidentally hit the microphone button and it went off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all Paul's fault. Just remember that. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll take the blame. As I was saying, Julian Sands was in a very memorable two-part episode of the TV series Gotham in which he portrayed the father of Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow. Batman's best villains in my book. So if you get the chance, definitely check that episode out. Um, he was also in Stephen King's Rose Red. Don't know if you ever saw that, but that was excellent. It was kind of like the Winchester house, but the house kept changing itself. Instead of constantly being built, it changed itself along the way. And it was a really good miniseries. Kind of sounds like Hogwarts Castle. Well, Winchester House and Rose Red predate Hogwarts. Just going to say. Hogwarts has been in operation since the 1700s, sir. Yeah, it wasn't written until the, what, the late 90s? Hogwarts Castle has been in operation since the 1700s. And it was invented in the 90s, so there you go. But the Muggles just discovered it in the 90s. But again, Julian Sands, we hope they find him safe and sound. But being that he's been missing for 10 days after going on a hike, the, the best case scenario I can think of is he bumped his head got amnesia and somebody's taking care of him not knowing who he is. Or so, some bob or some bobcat in Mountain Lion's got a got a good dinner. Well let's not hope that. Oh I'm but, not hoping that. I'm just saying you know someone being gone that ten, that long on top of a mountain, that's not good. Yeah. Hope hopefully they can find him, but there's been several storms out there and Reality does have to set in, but still hoping for the best on that. And with that, I've got two passings this week. So a little bit better. And we've also got some news on the uh, passings on the past that I'm going to go into. But first up, I saw today, this is from dailymail.co.uk, groundbreaking Aussie bobsledder who became a footy star dies suddenly aged 35 after a rough year of personal loss, including a relationship breakup. 
The bullet points were Dunn was a bobsledder and the first openly gay man to represent Australia. He played for the Sydney Convicts Rugby Club and was an LGBTIAQ plus advocate. If you need support, contact Lifeline, and they've got numbers here for Australia. But police and his agent, Ruby Rose Management, both confirmed the death of the 35-year-old who broke new ground in both sports, which would be rugby and bobsledding. says about 10 a.m. on Saturday, January 21st, 2023, police were called to a unit on Crown Street, Surrey Hills, after reports the body of a man had been found inside. New South Wales police said in a... Not saying suicide, but everything in the article is leading me to believe suicide, especially the part about the crisis support line. Yeah. And the other big death this week was, of course, David Crosby, who passed away at the age of 81. He was actually planning a new tour. Wasn't he he of Crosby, Steals, and Nash? Yeah. And then later, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. He was yeah. also part of the birds at one point in time. It says the death came as a surprise to those who followed his very active Twitter account, which he'd kept tweeting on as recently as Wednesday. One of Crosby's final tweets Wednesday was to make a typically jocular comment about heaven. Quote, I heard the place is overrated. Cloudy. Um, I heard uh, I listened to eighties on eight a lot, um, and I heard them talking about him, and they're saying what kind of groundbreaking um person he was in music because he did a lot of like music for like different movies, and he worked with all sorts of genres and stuff, and all sorts of different people on projects, and I thought that was really cool. He was also pretty liberal. And if I'm not mistaken, he was in the coming out episode of Ellen. It was either the coming out episode or was a different one. I'm looking up in stuff on IMDb right now. I didn't realize he was in Hook with Julia Roberts and Robin Williams. Cool. Ellen Unplugged was the episode of Ellen, season four, episode 16. <sighs> he was on Chicago Hope one episode. Uh, Simpsons, he was on two episodes, seven episodes of the John Larroquette show, one episode of Roseanne. He was in the movie Backdraft as a 70s hippie. So, a lot more there than I realized that he was in. And finally, the the one that I said we have some news on, the autopsy has been posted for Leslie Jordan. It is natural causes. And let's, I'm trying to find it. It says, 
The 67-year-old actor died of sudden cardiac dysfunction due to arteriosclerotic cardiovascular disease, according to a report by the Los Angeles County Department of Medical Examiner Coroner. Arteriosclerosis is hardening of the arteries that can restrict blood flow. And that is from cbc.ca. Bless his heart, literally. So something that could happen to any one of us happened to him, and he is missed and will always be missed. Oh, yeah. But with that, we have come to the end of the first half. Paul will be tagging along with me for the reviews because he didn't have time to watch anything this past weekend. So, And don't give me hell about it. I'm going to, regardless. Just just out of spite now because you're saying something. I wasn't um, going to until then. I may or may not be joining him for the second half. Well, how dare Paul not go through watching TV? He's got a life to live. I mean, really, where are your priorities, man? You have no idea. <laughs> but anyway, we'll be back with the top 10 movies and some reviews. Stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back, everyone. First up, let's hit the top 10 movies over the weekend as according to Box Office Mojo. Down from 8 to 10 is The Whale. Almost $1.3 million in its seventh weekend for just over $13 million. It added 91 theaters so far of 1,591 theaters that it's playing at. And let me tell you, I really, really want to see that movie. I want to see it too, but it's bombing. It's not bombing. It's just a. It's not doing extremely well because it's a art house and drama and all that, and it's. Where's the, it at worldwide? The, they're not going to get people to the theaters as much. Where's it at worldwide? Uh that I don't know. Probably not that great worldwide either, but. Uh, that is the worldwide. There is no international release. That's it? Let's see what the budget for the whale was. Three million. According to Google, three million dollar budget. Let's make how much? Thirteen million. Well, it made its money back. It easily made its money back. More than four times the budget. So, and it is the the industry darling right now. You know, Brendan Fraser won the Critics Choice Award, and and something that I loved because you know I got I got to go off on this little tangent for a minute about Brendan Fraser, but somebody shared a video from Kiwi Kwan's table. When Kiwi Kwan won for Everything Everywhere All at Once at the Critics Choice Awards. And in the background, you can see Brendan Fraser standing, throwing his arms up, cheering for Kiwi Kwan's win. That's the kind of guy Brendan Fraser is. Yeah. And I, it makes you love him even more 
But when you think about some of his fantastic performances, like everybody thinks Encino Man and George of the Jungle and stuff like that. But then he has the other dramatic side, like School Ties and With Honors and Twilight of the Golds and Gods and Monsters. And just such a well-rounded, like even when you throw in the mummy in there, it's an action film. And he's had so many different performances and has been so good in all of them. And of course, absolutely love him on Doom Patrol. I think Doom Patrol really helped him come back as an actor. Like people care again because he's on the Doom Patrol. I personally love him in the, the the mummy movies. He was great. And like the, the mummy roaring at him and then him yelling back at the mummy. Going, <laughs> it was just great. But but anyways, anytime Brendan Fraser is a success, I'm happy. And especially with all the the blackballing and all that blacklisting that he went through because he reported sexual advances from somebody in Hollywood. I can't remember who it was. And it was not easy for him to come forward with that because, you know, the machismo thing it doesn't allow men to discuss it, but he did. And well, he look got at, um, well, look at Robert Downey Jr. He was a complete failure. Went down the tubes and all of a sudden Iron Man put him back on the damn planet. Yep. Sometimes it just takes that one performance. Yep. But Moving on, down from seven to nine is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Its 11th weekend brought in over 1.3 million for a grand total of over 451.8 million dollars so far. Number eight is obviously an anime because it's from Crunchyroll Distributor. Crunchyroll, <laughs> yeah, Crunchyroll is anime, it's a, a distributor of anime, but the the title is kind of intriguing and very long. Number eight, first weekend in release. That time I got reincarnated as a slime, the movie Scarlet Bond. That is the title of the film. That's a whole, I mean, it's like a paragraph. I, I will once again repeat it. This is the title of the film right here. That time I got reincarnated as a slime, the movie colon, Scarlet Bond. Scarlet Bond. That's 13 words. Wow. 12. But still, it made over one and a half million dollars in its opening weekend. How long is the movie? <laughs> I have no clue. Oh, it doesn't say a time running? Just It gives the box office totals, the theater counts. And the per screen average and all that. But oh, okay. Down from six to seven is House Party. 1.67 million in its second weekend for just over seven million total. Down from five to six is Plane. Over five and a quarter million in its second weekend for over 19 and a half million dollars so far. Down from four to five is A Man Called Otto. $8.8 million in its fourth weekend for just over $35 million total. Debuting in fourth place is Missing. Over nine, well, it's opened with $9,154,695. Down from two to three is Megan. $9.7 in its third weekend 
$73,192,415 to date. What was the budget on that film? Like $10 million, I think. Lord, and that's just countrywide? How much is it on worldwide? You're asking me all these questions I'm not prepared for here. International total is 51,533,000 for a grand total worldwide, $124,725,415. That movie's a massive hit with a $10 million budget. Dang. 12 million. Google has the budget at $12 million. Still, yeah, that's a massive, massive success. Yeah. For 10 times the budget. But up from three to two is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, $11.8 million in its fifth weekend for $126,767,825. And for the sixth week at number one, Avatar, The Way of Water, $20.1 million for a grand total of $598,409,459. And if I'm not mistaken, last week, Chris, we talked about all it needed was $20 million to go over the $2 billion threshold, and it did it. Well, international, $1,428,266,211. of the box office is international. 29.5 is U.S. So how much? It's, a, it's $2 billion now, isn't it? Worldwide, $2,026,675,670. And still going strong. Damn. And just out of curiosity, let's look at the the budget. The first one was $237 million budget. According to Google, the second one is $250 million budget. Same for the third. And it gives a comparison. Avengers Endgame was $356 million budget. Yeah. But but with Sam, that, what? How, how much is it? How's it ranked against Avengers Endgame so far? I don't know. I don't know what if they if you can even access our all-time box office. Let's see. Here we go. Top lifetime grosses not adjusted for the inflation. Number 10, The Avengers. Number 9, The Lion King. Number 8, Jurassic World. Number 7, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number 6, Avatar The Way of Water already. Number five, Avengers Infinity War. Number four, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Number three, Titanic. Number two, Avengers Endgame. And number one, Avatar. And that is worldwide box office gross that that's based on. So it's got the number one spot and the number seven spot. Number six and number one. Six. Damn. Now, who put that out? Who put out Avatar? Fox, which is now Disney. So Disney's rolling around in the money now. Big time. 
Damn. I'm scrolling down through here to see where Wonder Woman ends up. Because I know she had over 700 million worldwide, but I can't remember exactly. And you know, she did 400 million in the US. It was a female led film that wasn't supposed to do well. And I'm not seeing it in the 700 millions here. And I know she made 700 million in box office. I thought it was over 800 million. Maybe it was. And there she is, number 91, 822 million. $854,286 total. Let's go in. What, now, what number was that? 91. Domestic was 50.2% of the take. International was 49.8% of the take. So neck and neck, just over $410 million to over $412 million, almost $413 million. So about Two million hey, eight hundred thirty-six million apart worldwide. What did, did that Top Gun Part Two come in at for worldwide? I don't know. Because there's a lot of stuff on it's here. Gotta be up there around that two billion dollar range. It was not in the top ten. Remember? I bet it's in the top twenty. It's gotta be. Toy Stories. Top Gun Maverick number twelve. Yeah, I know it had to be up there close to that. With that, we will move on to the two reviews this week. First up, I'm going to go with that 90s show. Paul didn't get a chance to watch any, but I've seen a lot of bad reviews on this, and we'll get into mine here in a minute, but it's 6.6 out of 10 with over 9,100 reviews on IMDb. The average tomato meter has 74% as well as the average audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And personally, I don't get the bad reviews. Like, I loved that 70s show. And I'm wondering if the bad reviews come from people watching the first two episodes and being like, meh, and then giving up. Because Can the I first you- set up the show, but those last eight are fantastic. Like, this is one of the shows that has made me laugh out loud in a long time. It's probably the young people these days that didn't grow up on the 70s show that knew hardly anything about it. Except it's on Peacock, and you can stream it, and people do still. Yeah, but the young and- people ain't going to be interested in that shit. But... I know some people are Hyde wasn't brought back, but there's plenty of good reason why Hyde was not brought back. I mean, it's us, you know, the millennials and the um, the Gen the Gen Xers that's going to be watching it. The the younger people ain't going to be watching it. I don't know. I I work with some younger people that work that want to watch it. So it's not just us. And then the so what character? Okay, uh, it, um, I want to interview you. What characters did they bring back? Almost everybody from the main cast. So um, the parents—they're the focus of. I mean, it's their house still. So the, kid, the grandkids Kitty, still the focus, but Kitty and Red are the grandparents. 
basically it starts out uh, Donna and Eric come with their daughter to visit the, his parents for July 4th and his daughter ends up staying for the summer and making friends with people around the town so they leave their daughter there with their grandparents yes they're living in Chicago while the Red and Kitty are still living in Point Place, Wisconsin. What about Jackie? Does she come back? There's a brief cameo of Kelso and Jackie at the end of the first episode, I believe it was. Fez runs Chez Fez, the hair salon. Um, they, they did do... Because you remember on that 70s show, Fez was the the androgynous sexuality. Yeah. student. Well, a little bit of a spoiler here, not much. The the Asian kid is gay on this one. He's just actually gay. And awesome. there, there's some really good moments with it. And he has some really good points with with Kitty as well, like helping her set up the computer. That's those really good moments with them. And I mean, it's, they still smoke pot. This time it's smokier on there than I remember it ever being on that 70s show, I guess because it's Netflix and they can actually get away with it. Is there, Are they still in the basement? Yep. And the basement brings up another little subtle thing that they did so well with the the set design because I mean the house looks the same they've either recreated or kept the original set it sounds like they kept the original set if it's the same it, it, they either recreated it or kept it original I don't know I really don't but it looks the same at least from my memory but in the basement you still see the washer and dryer the little subtle Thing that you can tell from that is one of them broke down and had they had to buy a new one because one's avocado green and one's white. And I was like, I love that little tidbit on there. Unmatched appliances. Yep, and that's how it would be. One machine breaks down, you don't replace both of them. You don't replace both of them, and you get whatever the best deal you can on them. So, and I was I thought that was a great little piece on there. Now, the one that did not come back was obvious, and that was Danny Stewart Masterson, who played Hyde. Yeah, because he's in jail. He's got all the rape and sexual crimes charges against him. And I think that's another thing people are dogging this this show for is because he's not on it, he's not mentioned. But why would you mention him? Well, it seems like they should mention him and not act like he doesn't exist. I say maybe he's, you know, off on a, a school in Europe attending school for something. Just don't not talk about him. But they also did not talk about Donna's mother, who was played by Tanya Roberts. And, you know, she passed away a couple years ago. Well, there's, I mean, there's a way of tactfully doing that. So that they they really didn't need to bring the show down with it. So I I think they, they were fine not mentioning him because why would you? I mean he really had no place 
the the Kelso and Jackie moment is real quick and it works for it. And there's a reason why they stopped by. And you know, she says she goes to the hair salon to see him. And I mean, there's there's reasons for them to show up. Yeah, but with Hyde, what are you going to do? I mean, they even found a good reason to put Leo in there. Tommy Chong. Yeah, he was hilarious. Let me just tell you. You know, he follows me on 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 uh on Twitter. Does he? Yes, he does. Tommy Chong. He follows me. He's got like eight hundred some thousand followers, and I'm one of his. And he follows like five thousand people, and I'm one of his followers. I got followed by Gail Simone, which made me happy because I love Gail Simone. Yeah. He's written for the Wonder Woman comics at one point in time. Cool. She also created the Birds of Prey. I'm looking through the, the um, trivia on IMDb. The main character, Leia Foreman, is named after Star Wars character Princess Leia as it's known that her father, Eric, was a big Star Wars fan. And add that up with the fact that they were supposed to go to space camp for the summer, Eric and Leia. Oh. So. Well, this changed. Because it says it's currently stated that if the series is to be picked up for another season, the setting will be in the next year. Oh, if this, the nine, that 90s show is picked up, it was set to be in the next year slash summer of 1996. Because this one takes place in 1995. In July, I guess August a little bit, but. So, all in all, you liked it really good? I really enjoyed it. I just want to, you know, just go back to the fact that people are dogging it. I just don't get it. But um, I want to try to, uh, did you say this was Netflix? Yes. I'm going to try to get the first episode. And this time my phone decided to protest Paul shutting it off earlier, I guess. I don't know what really happened, but Anyways, it, the screen went white and cut Paul off. So, Paul, you were saying something about watching this, I think? Yeah, I'm going to try to get the first episode in uh, along with watching um, the the Violent Night. I want to try to get that watched, too. So, Well, you do have some time because we won't be recording until, what, Wednesday next week? Yeah, so, so hopefully I can get that in. Hopefully my life will calm down enough where I can watch those. But I, I do suggest watching more than one episode of this. Because like I said, it does it does start out a little bit slow introducing the characters and everything, but it, it picks up and it gets really, really funny. Like just to let you know, even Lamar said he hated that 70s show. And I'd watched the first three episodes earlier in the afternoon and watched the last seven that night. And he was on his phone and then kept getting interested in it and ended up watching the show through the end of the season. 
So, so how long are the eps? They're like 22, 23 episodes or 23 minutes a piece. So it's kind of like 30 minutes a piece if there's going to be airing it on the air. Okay. Yep. It's, it's pretty much exactly what it would have been. And they do have the little bumpers where they're like jumping up in the air or whatever. And, and like they always did. And they have more 90s designs behind them. So I really enjoyed it. I, I really say watch this show. It's fantastic. If you're a fan of the original, you definitely want to watch it. But they do have Donna's father show up in the series, too. Okay. So it's Kelso, Jackie, Eric, Donna, Donna's father, Leo, and Fez that make appearances. And then Red and Kitty are in every episode. I like that. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's great. I will definitely watch it again. It, it, to me, it holds every bit of the charm of the original. And did you say that there's already planning for another season? It said if it makes it a second season, the plan is to be a year later. Okay. And and they did end it with a cliffhanger. So, I mean, not a huge cliffhanger. Like, oh no, if I don't ever see another response to this, I'll be upset. No, it's it's a cliffhanger where these characters can live on, but you don't have to have more. I'm still bitter about the cliffhanger from X-Files. Yeah, that's because you're going to be bitter always. The Mustang with the light shining down on top of it and then getting out and looking up at it. And that's it. Boom! It goes off. Never to return again. That still pisses me off thinking about it. Well, think about me with my Legends of Tomorrow where you had all the legends get arrested. You had Booster Gold premiere on the last episode. And in the last episode, Ava and and Sarah, the lesbian couple, ended up getting Sarah pregnant because something with the alien DNA, Ava was able to impregnate Sarah with a kiss. And so we don't know what the baby is, don't know how they're going to get out of prison. And that's how it ended, and then the CW canceled it. Damn. Yeah, that's why there's the the movement, Save Legends of Tomorrow, because we want to know answers. Like, there's got to be something to resolve all this. Yeah. If nothing else, maybe a comic book, but I would rather have at least one final season to tie up all these loose ends. You know what they could do is do what they did in Dallas whenever Bobby Ewing got shot. They come back that next season and it was just a dream. Yeah, they're not going to do that. No, not, I mean, uh, JR got shot. Yeah. So, you know, they woke up and it's just a dream. There it is. But you remember that whole summer is like, I shot JR. There's tons of everybody's wearing those damn t shirts. I shot. Yeah, and we didn't watch the show, but we knew about the I Shot JR stuff. But I just, it was one, for whatever reason, we never got into it. I don't know what we were watching on Friday nights. Was was it at the same time Miami Vice was on? 
So that's what we were watching. Yeah, it is the Dukes of Hazard and then um, Dallas and then Falcon Crest. So we watched the Dukes and we watched Miami Vice. Yeah, you had to change the channel to something else to watch Miami Vice. Yeah. That, that just kind of says TV has really changed through the years because if Miami Vice and Dallas were on on Friday nights opposite of each other and they were both huge hits. They were. Like, huge. And now you put on a show on Friday night and you're not going to get any kind of ratings for it. No. So I remember Friday night, you had to be at home to watch Dallas of Falcon Crest, honey. Woo! And then you got to you can't remember, you can't forget Dynasty. Well, you didn't have to watch any of them because we didn't. We were not fans. I was I was with my grandmother on Friday nights, and she was usually my grandma Terry, my mama's mama, and we would always watch Dallas, and we'd always watch Dukes of Hazard and Dallas. And then mom and dad would come in from going out to eat or whatever. And that's whenever Falcon Crest was coming on. So we'd go home because the grandma's house was just right here beside the house here. And so we'd come up here to go to the house. And then my mom would have on Falcon Crest. So we'd sit there and watch Falcon Crest and go to bed. So anyway, yeah, good, good memories. We, we did not watch it. We watched Miami Vice. And of course, like everybody, we watched the Cosby Show. You know what I've been watching here lately um, in the evenings? Uh, my, my dad has it on. It's the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh my God, it's hilarious. Yeah. There, there are some shows that never go out of style. That's one of them. The Beverly my- Hillbillies. I mean, my dad has it on and I'm sitting here laughing my butt off while trying to eat dinner while watching Beverly Hillbillies. So. But I Love Lucy's another one that never goes out of style. Hey, there's a there's a show that comes on now called Hazel. Did you know anything about Hazel? Yeah, I know Hazel. I loved it. I didn't know anything about Hazel. And it's a maid. It's a show about a maid named Hazel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I knew I love Lucy. I knew all of you know Petticoat Junction. That see, I didn't watch that. You didn't watch Petticoat Junction? No. Nah. I watched Perry Mason. I watched all them old shows. I even watched um what is it? Um, the Wild Wild West. I watched all that. I didn't know that Hazel existed. I even watched Leave it to Beaver. All that. And I said, now there's this show coming on right after Beverly Hillbillies called Hazel. And I'm going, where have I been? I didn't know anything about Hazel. I don't know where you've been because I watched it as a kid. Hey, you, you know what other show is on Antenna TV along the lines of Hazel? What? Dennis the Menace. Have you ever heard of Dennis the Menace? Fuck you, Chris. Yes, I've watched <laughs> Dennis the Menace. <laughs> it, it literally does come on Antenna TV around the same time as Hazel. Like, they show an hour block of them, or at least they used to. But, yeah, you can watch a lot of those. I think Hazel is streaming on Crackle, maybe? Let's Let's see what Google says here. You know, the Partridge family, all that. I grew up on all that. But Hazel is actually on Crackle and the Roku channel. So if you don't want to watch it live, you can watch them on there. And Dennis the Menace is on several things. I'm trying to see 
it's on Tubi, it's on Peacock, it's on Roku Channel, it's on Crackle, all free. YouTube has Dennis the Menace on it. I wonder who's getting his royalties after all these years. Well, Jay North is still alive, Dennis himself. Yeah. But the rest of it, I don't know. But Dennis the Menace was a show I really enjoyed. Oh, I love that show. And again, comic book show. Well, comic strip, I guess, but still comic. What else are we talking about? I'm going to discuss the Banshees of Inishirin. You know, this one has been getting a lot of awards buzz, Has was nominated and I think won a couple things at the, the Golden Globes the other week. Uh, Metacritic has an 87%. IMDb 7.8 out of 10 with 94,000 reviews. And Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter has at 312 reviews, 97%. The audience score with over 500 verified ratings is only 76%. And I think there's a reason why audiences aren't liking this movie as much as the critics. But, spoiler, I loved it. I thought it was great. It's a really different film. Basically, what it is is Colin, Colin Farrell's character and Domhnall Gleeson's character have had this, this long-standing thing where they meet at the pub and have a drink every afternoon. And all of a sudden, Colin Farrell's going to the pub and Brendan Gleeson's just sitting in his house having a smoke. And Colin Farrell doesn't understand why he's not down at the pub. So he gets down to the pub, tells everybody that's what Domhnall Gleeson's doing. And he can't understand why Domhnall Gleeson doesn't want to be there. And like Domhnall Gleeson tells him he doesn't want to be friends anymore. And Colin Farrell just can't accept it and keeps wanting to know the reason. Like just not wanting to do it wasn't enough. And at one point, Brendan Gleeson tells Colin Farrell's character, let me put it to you this way. If you talk to me one more time, I'm going to cut my finger off and give it to you. And every time after that, when you talk to me, I'm going to cut off another finger and give it to you till I have none left. And that's kind of the, the, the tone of this film. It is very odd and very different and very character-driven and a lot of humor. And then there's some tragedy in it, but you've got Jenny the donkey that is Colin Farrell's pet and She's a mini miniature donkey, and he has Jenny come in the house with him. And Aww. I mean, it's it's just a fun little film and very different, but highly recommend. And I really don't know what to say. I mean, Barry Keegan, very good in it. Of course, Colin Farrell is a fantastic actor. I've I became aware of him with the movie Daredevil, but I've really enjoyed him through the years. And just it's it's a very good movie, but like I said, very different. And it is currently airing on HBO Max. I'm gonna just pull up some of the trivia here and see what it says if I can find it. All the this is right on the main page on IMDb. All the main character sweaters were made by the same elderly man who knitted them by hand specifically for the film. He also knitted doubles for each sweater. 
He was not present on set and did not meet the actors prior to creating the pieces for them. So having them fit that they did a very good job. I'll say that for him. Another one on the trivia on IMDb. Colin Farrell had several incidents with animals during the shoot. Jenny, the miniature donkey, kicked him while he was hand-feeding her. Second, the dog portraying Brendan Gleeson's pet bit him. Thirdly, a horse leading a cart Farrell was tried was in tried to reverse the cart into the ocean. <laughs> that horse really wanted to get rid of him. Could you imagine um, Colin Farrell passed away today when a horse reversed him into the ocean off the side of a cliff? Uh, another thing about the, the passion behind this project is right here. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson agreed to be in the film seven years before it was greenlit. Oh, that's so cool. That's some dedication there. Yeah. Banshee is the Anglica, anglicized term for being C-B-E-A-N-S-I. I'm probably pronounced Banshee. From Old Irish meaning woman of the fairy mound or fairy woman. She is a spirit in Irish folklore who heralds the death of a family member, usually by screaming, wailing, shrieking, or keening. And DC Comics even have the Silver Banshee. Who has appeared in the in the Supergirl series, actually? Yeah, the Banshee. Oh, Brendan Gleeson is a skilled fiddle player in real life and plays his own music here, just as he did in Michael Collins, The Grand Seduction, and Cold Mountain. And he did very well on the fiddle, let me tell you. Because if that was really him playing it, as it says, he was very good at it. Well, until he, well, I won't say. There, that that would be a spoiler. I was about to give some stuff away. I think you'd have been safe by giving it. No, I mean, I really suggest watching this movie. It's very, very good. It says Colin Farrell's character, and I can't pronounce it, but it's the, is the original Gaelic spelling for what in English has become Patrick Sullivan. It is mentioned in the film that the war might end soon. When the film begins, April 1st, 1923, the 11th month-long Irish Civil War was less than two months away from ending. And they do mention the, the Civil War. They can see across the, the water, the bombs going off and such. The four top billed actors are all actually Irish. So, yeah, it's like I said, it's definitely a different story, but so good. Like, you can't do justice to this film by talking about it. You actually have to watch it to see how good it is. Um, not to change the subject, but for all you Harry Potter fans out there right now. There is a huge Harry Potter exhibition making its tour across the United States. There, It's currently right now, the closest it's going to be to us right now, it's in Atlanta. And it actually shows Professor, Professor McGonagall's outfit on display. It has um, tons of other outfits on display from the actors. It has um, 
Albus Dumbledore has Professor Snape's outfit on display. It's lots of stuff from the filming of the film on display for you to go see in Atlanta. Um, I'm going to be going in a couple weeks, um, driving down on a Sunday and attending the event on a Monday and driving back. So anyways, thought I'd give you a heads up on all the Potterhead stuff. So um, if you want to go see any of that. So would you, are you, do you have any interest in Potter at all, Chris? I'm not overly thrilled with him. But while you were talking, I was looking up Brendan Gleeson's acting credits because I thought he was in Harry Potter. He was. He was Alistair Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. Yeah, Professor Moody. So, tying it all back in for you there. There you go. Man, he's, he's been in some really good stuff along the way, too. Brendan Gleeson has. So... Mission Impossible 2, Safe House was one of them on there. He was in Braveheart. Yeah. He's a good actor. And he's definitely that. He's really good in this movie. I, I'm, I was really impressed with everybody in the film. And of course, Jenny the Donkey does steal the show. And they even said that at the the Golden Globes because they did win something at the Golden Globes. I know for a fact. And I don't know if where's the see if I can find the the awards things on here. I'm sure this is going to end up being nominated for Oscars. Whether it wins or not is another story. But so far, its worldwide gross is just over $29 million. But still, it's it's good. It's really, really good. I'm still trying to find the, the awards and such for it. Maybe they don't have it on here anymore. Used to be on there, kind of up towards the top. There we go. Nominated for 10 BAFTA Awards, 103 wins, and 299 nominations overall. Jesus. Let's see. Screen Actors Guild Award, it did not win, but it was nominated for several categories. Where's Golden Globes? Looks like everything's in alphabetical order here. Critics' Choice Awards, it was nominated but did not win. Scrolling down, scrolling down. There's a lot of a lot of things I've never heard of. Golden Globes, winner, best motion picture, musical, or comedy. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy, Colin Farrell. Best screenplay for a motion picture, Martin McDonough. Nominations were Best Director for Martin McDonough, Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture, Brendan Gleeson, Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture, Barry Keegan, Best Original Score Motion Picture, Carter Burwell, Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture, Terry Condon. So three wins and one, two, three, four, five nominations besides. 
total of eight Golden Globe nominations. Wow. Like I said, I guarantee you'll see it nominated for the Oscars. And rightfully so. It's it's artistic. It's a well-told story. Watch it. It's on HBO Max. If you got HBO Max, you got no reason not to watch it. And with that, I believe we're done this week. I did see there is a Valentine's special coming February 9th to HBO Max that we will have to watch. That is Harlivey Forever, the Harley Quinn animated series Valentine's Day special. Oh, that'd be cool. We'll be watching that because the Harley Quinn animated series is really funny. You mean um, we're not going to watch the fan-based film of Friday the 13th? No. No, that will not be happening. And this weekend is the premiere of Poker Face on uh, Peacock, which I do want to see. It's from Ryan Johnson. And also coming up is the movie Tar. I believe it's supposed to debut on Peacock this week. And it's another one of the awards-nominated films. I'm going to try and get it in. Hopefully, more of the awards-nominated films will start streaming soon so I can see them. you have any final words? No. Just, just good night. <laughs> Boy, Paul is just a bundle of energy this week, Amy. Uh, you have no idea what I've been going through. So I'm ready for bed. But anyways, again, reminders, that 90s show is on Netflix. Fantastic series. I would rewatch it multiple times. Banshees of Inishirin is now playing on HBO Max. Fantastic film. Definitely worth watching. It'd be worth watching the second, third, fourth, fifth time. But I just I highly suggest both of them. And definitely look forward to seeing more awards from both of them. Don't know if that 90 show will make it for Emmys or not, but it's it's one of the best comedies I've seen in a long, long time. Cool. So I guess until next week, we'll definitely be doing Poker Face next week because I want to see that. Like I said, it's Brian Johnson. It's going to be a weekly series. I don't know how many episodes will premiere on, I believe it's Friday when it premieres. It's either Thursday or Friday. And I'll be watching Tar. I don't know if Paul will because, again, I'm wanting to get in as many of the awards nominations as I can. You're going to have to text me some of this stuff so I remember. Yep. Because Paul has the, the brain span of a mouse. Pretty much. But anyways, until next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.